We thank you for the love and grace that you give. And uh, Abba Father, you, uh, you make each morning new, and it's beautiful. Thank you for the love that you give us. Lord, open up our hearts to understand what's going on with Psalm 50. It's amazing. Need your help right now, please. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so before I uh, jump into the text, let me make a couple of introductory comments. Um, when, when we are little boys and little girls, we watch how our moms and dads uh, manage problems, okay? So, for example, if uh, Lisa and I have a knockdown, dragout fight, and Rebecca and Andrew and Catherine watch that, they watch not only what created the argument that led to the fight, but they're going to look for how do we resolve that problem, okay? Now, in the world of counseling and therapy, uh, family therapy particularly, that is called rupture and repair skill sets, okay? So regarding family systems and, and, and families across the board, number one, there's no such thing as a perfect family. There's number one. And number two, the, the normal families, when they do have a problem, how they handle it defines their relationships, their marriage, and certainly their relationship with the kids. And those rupture repair skills, or the lack thereof, are passed on to the kids. It, it is literally what happens. The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Did you got that idea? All right. Let's pull this over into our relationship with God. When, when you are disappointed with God because he didn't part the Red Sea soon enough for you, all right, or he didn't uh, affirm your worth by giving you green lights all the way to work, and every intersection was a green light, and by the time you went through that last green light, you went, behold, God answers prayers on the earth, and he, and I have favor with my God, you know. He opened his hand of favor and gave me all green lights, you know. Now, those sounds silly, but you'd be surprised at the ways people look for affirmations from God, to think that things are okay between us and God. Sometimes we get a little put out with him. What about the times that he's put out with us? What are God's rupture and repair skills with us, you know? How does he handle it? Is it like the British Empire and, and the monarchy when there's abuse and wolf with his head? He committed a crime, wolf with his head, where there's no chance of repentance, no restoration, radical punishment for the smallest offense. Is, is God an angry old man like our parents when we were young or an angry old woman like our mothers were? Or, or the opposite, is God just passive and up there in a rocking chair, you know, and, well, y'all, y'all kids work it out. Y'all work it out, you know. And God's passive like our dads are passive or moms are passive, et cetera, et cetera. You get the idea. Rupture and repair skills. And how do you maintain a healthy relationship with people? But really, Psalm 50 is going to be about God. So there's your introduction. How do you get along with God? How do you handle things when, when there are problems? Now, we're not going to work through the entire psalm, focusing on just a block at 7 to 15. Hear Shema, hear my people, and I will speak. Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I do not rebuke you for your sacrifices, and your burnt offerings are continually before me. 
I will not take a bull from your house, nor milk goats from your folds, for every animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains, and everything that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. For the world is mine, and everything it contains. Shall I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of male goats? Offer God a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me on the day of trouble. I will rescue you, and you will glory in me or you'll find exultation in me or honor me. So let's walk through it. It's really fascinating. Hear my people. Of course, he's talking to Israel proper. For I am speaking. I have something to say. I will testify, ud in Hebrew. I'm going to literally bring my case as an eyewitness, but I'm also going to testify as someone who cares and does a walkabout. Bruce, have you ever walked about your house to check on the foundation or inspect and look for, you know, things that need to be done, uh, those kinds of, many times, certainly, yeah, I know you've done that. If that that's involved in this idea. I, I'm a witness to what I've noticed about you, against you, about you. And then I, I don't want you to miss this language because I am Elohim, Elohim. Now, what is beautiful about that Hebrew word, it's in the plural, right? For example, when you read the Hebrew text in Genesis 1 and 2, it said, God said, let us make man in our image. How many gods are there up there? (laughs) How many gods? There's only one. And yet, why are we using plural pronouns? That is because in Hebrew, there is room for what is called the plural of majesty. Plural of majesty. This word is very intentional, and it is our first hint at what we would call as believers the trinity. For I, typically through the Psalms, the word is Yehovah, which is a variation of Yahweh, right? Typically, it's, it's just God, it's Yehovah, like his personal name, like Terry or Andrea. But here he goes right into Elohim in plural. Hear my people, I'm gonna, I've got something to say to you, Israel. I have walked about you and I have noticed this. I am God, I'm Elohim, but particularly... Anoki, I'm your God. That's the personal pronoun. Yeah, I'm Elohim, but I am your Elohim. And the word Elohim is used twice. In other words... But is it your singular or plural? So is it like y'all's God or... You as in Israel, which is the collective singular. Because Israel is singularly referred to as the bride or as, as God's people. But yes, it's assumed plural. But that's good, yeah. So hear my people. I am Elohim, and I am your Elohim. In other words, Bruce, God is being a good dad. It's not, 
Oh boy, off with his head. It's not an angry British monarch or some you know, king that's abusing power. This is Elohim. This is the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus Christ. This is God, the creator, all wrapped up in one. The creator God, the Godhead. Your God. Beautiful language of ownership in relationship. Psalm 139, where am I going to go to get away from you? How can I hide? You know my thoughts before I think them. You know the words before they come out of my mouth. David confesses, these things are too wonderful for me. So I do not correct you, rebuke you for your sacrifices and your burnt offerings are continually before me. In other words, you're doing the right stuff in terms of religious code and religious protocol. You're doing the right stuff. And by the way, it's really not about a bull. It's not about a bullock. It's not about a goat or a sheep. It's not about animals. And God begins to describe his glory. I am so great. All the animals of the forest are mine. The cattle on a thousand hills are mine. In fact, I know every bird of the mountain. Psalm 626. He feeds birds. He cares for birds. He cares for flowers. Solomon couldn't dress in the beauty of a flower. Um, Matthew 10, 29 to 31, Matthew's recording that Jesus knows when a bird falls to the ground. He knows the number of hairs on our heads. It's it's not as though God, God lacks information. God has all the details. He understands what's going on, but particularly... He understands what's going on on the inside of us. Okay, now let me give you a little bit of encouragement about relationships and rupture and repair skills. It's really good to never question somebody's motives. Why? Why would I make that statement? <laughs> Andrew, you agree. Why? Do we even have the ability to even know what a motive is? We don't, Janice. And yet what's interesting, and to borrow some concepts from Freud and baptize them very quickly, we love to transfer and project on other people our own junk. Boy, do we do that. We're good at it. In fact, if you don't think that's a biblical idea, look at Romans 2. The very thing you condemn in other people is the very thing that you're guilty of. I'm telling you all this stuff about psychotherapy, it's all in the, in the scriptures. It is un, it's all there. You think you have a right to, to transfer and to project on other people or counter-transfer on them. Look, you are no better than they are because you do the very things that you condemn. You know, it's really Romans 2. If that doesn't humble you, I don't know what will. You know, it, it's that good. I'm telling you we've got to be careful with questioning the motive of another person. I had a conversation with a business conversation with a friend of mine about how to manage people. And I told them the very best thing to do is stay away from managing emotion and managing motive in your, your, in your, your employees. Don't do that. You'll always go wrong if you do that. Always set up what's called KPI, key performance indicators. 
you're supposed to do 25 cold calls. You're supposed to do so-and-so and so-and-so. And if they're doing that, leave them alone. Give them out a boy, out a girl at, at that point. And when you manage that way, they, uh, they become accountable to the KPI, which is what you want. Otherwise, you're managing emotion and personality, and that's no win. No win. Stay away from motive. But the one who can question motives is Elohim. He's the one that can. All right? And that's why he says, Jesus says regarding the Pharisees, you draw near to me with your lips, but what? Heart is far from me. How's that for a judge of motives? Or you put on your fancy robes and you go out in the square and you pray these long elaborate prayers where everyone can see you. How's that for exposing motive? And Jesus exposes the motives of the Pharisees again and again and again. And the constant humiliation that he rendered to them in public was so intense. They, the only thing they could do is, is try to find Jesus, trip him up in some way, get him arrested, get him beaten, get the okay from the Sadducees, and get him on a cross. That's, that's all they had left. God can examine our hearts. Absolutely. Shall I eat? In other words, look at verse 13. God is saying, you want to have a good relationship? Shall I eat the flesh of the bulls that you offer to me? Or shall I drink the blood of the male goats that you offer according to Levitical sacrifice protocols? No. In Hebrew, the, the, the question is assuming a negative answer. No. And then it's as though the writer is speaking up. Offer God a zavah. Offer God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. And then it's as though the, the, the author steps back again and Elohim speaks up himself and he says, call Kara, call upon me on the day of trouble and I will rescue you and you will find glory in me. Psalm 68.20, with God is the way of escapes. God finds a way. Those, those opportunities, he really gives them. They belong to him. So, how do you have good rupture and repair skills with God? How do you have meaningful relationship with Elohim? Get at the issue of the sacrifice of praise. Being grateful. Okay? It's point blank. There it is. When, when, when we come at Elohim and say, and say, my Lord, my God, thank you that I can look at the sky and realize this is your handiwork. I can feel the thunder that rattles my bones and I know that you created all these things and you are more awesome than I could ever imagine. And you literally take the time to sacrifice, to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Now, let's work on the concept of sacrifice. Real quick, when you think of the word sacrifice, does it sound positive or negative? What do you think? Very good, very good, yeah, 
Yeah. Um, if you're a Hebrew, it sounds bloody. Priests were functional butchers. They were professional butchers in the temple. And Israelis would bring livestock for sacrifice. They would be butchered and key parts of the body would be placed on the great altar, some of it burned with fire in honor of Yehovah Elohim, Lord God. Right according to Levitical code, it was done. So for a Hebrew, sacrifice is pretty intensive word. But then you also have financial sacrifice. David said, I'm not going to offer to the Lord something what doesn't cost me anything. So sacrifice implies cost. It sometimes involves death. In fact, it's translated in, in Greek as victim, someone that's dead. What I'm trying to say, isn't it fascinating that it's not about offering the bull for the butcher shop or the goat or the lamb or whatever it is or two turtle doves. He's saying, I'm, I want you to do the work, the sacrificial work of taking the time to thank me to be grateful. Offer expensive, costly thanksgiving. That's beautiful, that's powerful, as a rupture and repair skill. When I answered you, I wasn't even thinking in terms of that. Yeah. I, had, I just had a conversation with Andrea earlier today about giving up, when you have children, you give up things yes. to do for your children. Which is good, yeah, but it, again, it's, there's a cost. There's a cost of certainly, certainly. And, and thank you, and that is absolutely beautiful. Now look at Micah 6. We're switching over to a related pass, passage. With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Does the Lord take pleasure in thousands of rams, in 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give him my firstborn for my wrong, should I offer my own child for my wrongdoings? The fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, mortal one, O oh man, O oh woman, what is good? And what does the Lord, Jehovah, require of you but to do justice, to live kindness, and to walk humbly with our God? I'm simply presenting to you tonight that when it comes to drawing near and having a healthy and intimate relationship with God. Sometimes it involves the sacrifice of praise. It involves the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I think that's wise. Now let me make a, a bit of a statement about myself. Because of my brain wiring, my personality, and things about my history, I can, I can be easily drawn into um, critical thinking and, uh, and I can almost easily be drawn into myself and, and make my interactions with God about me. God, I really need you. God, what's going on here? How come this and why that and this person and that client and all these things? And, and in a roundabout way, it's me, 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 me. <laughs> All right? It is. The sacrifice of praise flips that. It's about him at that point. And there's a whole lot of wisdom when we focus on other people 
and when we focus on God. Uh, not these profound religious disciplines and these, these Levitical protocols, whatever you think you're drawn to, observing rituals, times and seasons, and all those things. Um, it's not about 10,000 rivers of oil or thousands of rams. It's not. It's not even the person who is so radical and has emotionality that's off the charts that they would even entertain the idea of offering their own child to pay for the sins of their soul. The absurd thing. He's told us how to have good relationships with him as well as with people, and it's all there. So Leviticus 18, I know you know this, you do not give your child to sacrifice. Bruce, that's one of the bases for fighting for the unborn. Deuteronomy 10, and now Israel, what does the Lord require of you but to fear the Lord your God, walk in all his ways, love him, and serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes, which I'm commanding you today for your good. Back at it. Hear my people. I will speak. Israel. I've, I've walked about you. I've made several passes. I've noticed some things. I am your God. And I'm not going to correct you because you're not keeping religious rules. I'm going to correct you because there's a deep heart motive. You are not grateful for me. I love Hebrews 13, 15 because really the author of Hebrews grabs all those, those ideas from Psalm 50 and Micah and other, many other places and pulls them together and says with almost identical language, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips praising his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing with such sacrifices God is pleased. Dusia in Greek is, is sacrifice. And it is absolutely the Hebrew equivalent. So, all right. You're the body of Christ. What difference could this make in our lives? How could we grow and mature in the teaching of this paragraph from Psalm 50. I never considered it a, a sacrifice on my part to pray to God. It's good, uh, yeah. He's Father God and I can talk to him whenever I want to. Uh, I certainly praise him and I acknowledge him as uh, my Lord, but I, if you had asked me to describe what I was doing, sacrifice would not have <laughs> come into my vocabulary to yeah. describe it. Yeah. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, yeah, it really is, Terry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hopefully I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Um, you know, there have been experiences in my life regarding worship where there's a song that I listen to, and it's as though 
maybe for the first time really pay attention to the lyrics or something like that, or for some reason the way it's performed, it's performed so well that somehow something's triggered inside of me and I become very, very emotional. And sometimes in my singing I'm crying and I can't help but put my hands up or something like that. Um, I, I think those times are beautiful and I want them and there's nothing wrong with God getting up in my feels. That's okay. I think that's not what this is talking about. I don't think that's what's going on at all. Where you're waiting for that new song. Do any of you, uh, you remember Darlene Check, Shout to the Lord? <laughs> Boy, when that song came out, wow. People would say, the anointing is thick on that song. Well, after the 75th time that you've heard that song, the anointing is not so thick. <laughs> not so much. You know, why? What happened? Well, because you heard it so much, it lost the freshness. So sometimes we confuse freshness with anointing. Newness with anointing. <gasps> oh, For example, the song, I Can Only Imagine. One of the greatest number one hits ever produced in Christian you know, music in the modern, modern world. How many times do you hear, I can only imagine, and it's, you're, you're, you're you know, checking Facebook out and sipping your Starbucks. It's like, radio notes. What happened? When those first few times you heard it, heard it, you're literally on your knees crying, imagining that you're in heaven, dancing before the throne. Can you imagine that, you know? So, we confuse anointing with newness. We, conser- we cons- uh, confuse anointing with excellence. The string section was flawless. I felt God's power. <laughs> you, know, you just don't get that idea. In here. You know, it's, it's when you're frustrated. It's when you're tired. And you go, you know what, God? I am going to sacrifice my heart, my emotions, my time and my mental focus and I'm going to make it about you instead of me. And you offer the sacrifice of praise. Chris? Yes, sir. Is, I don't know if I'm, if I'm kind of receiving the same way as, as, it, as you're saying. For me, it sounds very much like how you would treat a close friend or a family member. You don't, a close friend and a family member some people would think thanking them would be giving them money or uh, you know something on that aspect but that you're, you're thanking them and you're thinking well monetary times but in reality just like in any relationship the most important way of thanking a person is spending time with that person mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's certainly and involved David isn't it it is and, and you don't get the uh, the person doesn't when you say a thanks to a person that you spend time with and that you are involved with is a lot different than saying, "Hey, thanks," and then here, here's some, here's some money or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, that's a, that's a, it's an empty thank you. Yes. But the thank you of just like you said, you've had a bad day, and you know everything just seems like it's all been on you. But then you just like you know, I'm just gonna forget about myself, and I'm gonna just spend time with you. Mm-hmm. That's, that's that good. type of a thanks. Yeah, that's it's good. It's more beautiful. Yeah, David, I think we know when we receive cheap praise. 
And I think we know when someone is very, very genuine in their appreciation of us. Yeah. That's how I feel this verse is. This this whole thing is like that. Yeah, agree. He doesn't want to get towards the routine. Yeah, yeah. But he wants to get get to an actual thanking you, thanking Mm -hmm. him. Yeah. So David, in keeping with that, it's not about the livestock, is it? No. It's not about the goats. It's not about the sheep. It's not about the turtle doves, or the gallons of olive oil you may offer. It's not about that. Right. It's about being grateful. A love relationship. So someone else, how do you see as this practically being lived out in our lives today? I have a question. Yes, sir. So Old Testament, I imagine vows would be certainly different than New Testament. What sort of vows we make today. Um, so a vow though being they're just like something you swore an oath to before the Lord and then pay toward that would be financial or uh, your sacrifice. I'm just curious because how would that part translate into yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So, in keeping with the text, let's we'll limit ourselves to the text. Um, it it would imply something like this. Sometimes the vow might be, uh, uh, you know, Yahweh, you've been kind to me. I vow to fast for three days, or I make a vow that um, I will offer you not one from my my herd, but seven from my herd something. So typically the Israeli vow um, sometimes took a lifelong dimension but oftentimes they were, they were deliberate and they were temporal in nature. I will do this thing for this week, this amount of time or um, this monetary gift or this uh, gift in livestock or uh, from my farm. Yeah. So they were short term. In fact this is one of the big markers uh, that led to Saul's demise when he conquered an enemy and the prophet announced uh, Philip that there would be a ban or a, a forbidding that any of the livestock that was captured from the enemy would be used for personal profit or gain. The spoils of war. And Saul did not do that. And so the prophet says, what is that I hear, the bleeding of the sheep? What, what is this? And that almost sounds like the marker when things shifted over to David. Yeah. So sometimes vows are tactical, temporal, from here to here, and we're done. That's why Ecclesiastes 5 says, when you make a vow, don't, don't you defer to pay it. You are better off to make your vow and fulfill it than to vow and, and not fulfill it. In fact, the writer says, you're better to not vow at all. <laughs> Don't make a vow. Because if you fail uh, to keep that, it's a serious matter. Yeah. So that's good, Philip. Yeah. Someone else, anything you, you, you want to note? I think for me, when I'm reading through this passage, I'm really struck by the sufficiency of God. He's completely sufficient on his own. He doesn't need us to prop him up with our thanksgiving. He doesn't stop being God if we stop thanking him. He is God. Um, But I think it does just go back as far as applying this to my life now. It also goes back to the 
he's not just God, he's your God. Yes. And so what does that personal relationship look like? And knowing that he's sufficient on his own, that gives me just a lot of joy and freedom in knowing that I get to give him thanksgiving for the fact that he is God and he, in his sufficiency, provides me all of these things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you know, the last verse, call upon me in your day of trouble, he's trying to direct us to Thanksgiving, but also knowing that he's going to have to rescue us at the end of the day, we're not going to Yeah, 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 yeah. I think just his sufficiency is really what Yeah, thank you. That is so good, Aaron. I I love verse 15 because um, ultimately... God's activity in my life is not based on my moral superiority. In other words, God, I've I've checked off the boxes. I've done everything you've asked me. Now you owe me some deliverance here. You know, come on, do the big thing for me. Part the Red Sea, you know, give me the escape or something like that. That's That's not the spirit. I think the spirit is that when you're broken, your life is broken, whether it's by loneliness, depression, or anxiety, whatever it is, run to your God. Run to him. It's not about the bullock. It's not about the lamb. Run to him. He is, he is your Elohim. Absolutely, Aaron, that's very wise. Thank you. Very wise. Okay, anybody else before we pray? Okay. I love Paul's writing and how Paul was able to integrate. Now remember, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Can you imagine memorizing Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy? Memorizing that verbatim. That was Paul. That's the kind of mind he had. That was a part of the Pharisaic tradition. His command of the Old Testament is just staggering. And when he integrates ancient Israeli concepts of sacrifice with what Jesus Christ has done, what God did through his son, it is amazing. So he writes, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread and we had given thanks. He broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Abba Father, I love you and I thank you. I say thank you. We say thank you that we are made right with you, Lord God our God, through your Son, not through the sacrifices of livestock and produce from the farm, but because we have put our faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. And because of that, you have covered us with the blood of the Lamb, and we know redemption, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Thank you for these things. Thank you that you were willing to offer your son for us. In the name of Jesus, I ask these things. Amen. When you're ready, take the Lord's Supper.
Thank you all so much for being a part of tonight. It means a great deal to me. Um, all of those who are online, thank you, Dory. Hailing from the great state of California, thank you so very much. And, um, thank you. Yes, blessings to everyone. Have a good night. We'll see you. Okay, bye. If I may offer, uh, I wanted to.